Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. is special in so many ways number one it's a christmas novella yes number two it's a hybrid author interview but this time we have three authors that we talked to three authors people three one two three and morgan can you please tell us what the book title is and what the who the authors were that we talked to and read about in this book or read from i should say Thank you so much for um, asking me to do that. Yes, I would be happy to. <laughs> the, the book title is A Louisiana Christmas to Remember. The authors um, involved in this collaboration are debut fiction novelist Morgan Tarpley Smith and two more seasoned novelists, Betsy Senamont. Can we say our homegirl? Is it? Probably. I think that's appropriate. Uh, for sure. Yes. I would go with I, yes. I say that. And Lenora Worth. So there you Who's go. Three yes. Yes. Three novellas, one delightful Christmas collaboration. Yes. Just like our delightful collaborations. <laughs> Christmas and all year round. Every day, 24 365. This is the way I live. Okay. Anyways. Um, so a couple of quick housekeeping things. So this is a hybrid episode, and we're going to mix it up a little bit because we love that. First of all, it's festive. Second of all, this was a fun way for us to do this. So um, we each read one of the novellas within the book. So we're going to do a deep dive on our own about each individual novella but they all tie together. So we're really excited to go on this journey with you all. Um, and as we mentioned, we got to talk to the authors. So we're going to dive into that interview kind of at the top of the episode and then do kind of our normal hybrid cadence where we jump into the book. Um, and also this is virtual. So you might hear some quality differences, but you know what? It is what it is and life is busy some weeks and so virtual exists. And boy, are we glad. Boy, are we glad. Um, any other disclaimers? Oh, kids, as per usual, and snacks. Snacks and kids. Also pretty usual. Listen, we got to live. And so yeah. here we are. If you expect me <laughs> to record a gosh darn thing without having snacks, <laughs> you hear me? You've got another thing coming. Yeah. I mean, you got I don't know. What'd you say, Madeline? It was a vine thing. <laughs> it's, honestly, I shouldn't have said it at all. <laughs> I did. Well, did I just save myself from having to edit it out? <laughs> Oh, oh no no, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't inappropriate. It was just an obscure reference that nobody would have understood except for like Madeline maybe and Danielle's. Oh my gosh. I feel like oh Vine was Vine walked so TikTok could or could could run. You know what I'm saying? Like depends on who you talk to. <laughs> I, I'm a I, miss, I miss I miss the creativity that short videos like Vine, like when TikTok first started, there was like really specific limits to videos and now there's not really. So it's like, you can watch a 10 minute video on TikTok. Like it's not really ideal, you know? Um, so it's like glorified YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's like a vertical, you know, anyways. Um, me, I, I just watch YouTube. 
I don't watch Vine or TikTok unless well, I watch, watch compilations of them on YouTube. Oh, you know interesting? <laughs> I have this theory, and I feel like I need to test this out more, is that you're either a person who gets on YouTube and watches videos, or you watch them on Instagram or TikTok or, or like Vine, but like usually the same person isn't like committed to each platform. Like I don't watch YouTube. The only way I watch YouTube videos is if someone tells me and sends me a link and is like, watch this YouTube video. Or if like I'm watching a live stream of church or something. Um, but back in the day, and I've never gotten lost in a YouTube hole of just watching YouTube videos. Like, but TikTok, I can literally like spend two hours just scrolling and like looking for things and deep diving. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, I wonder if it's a personality. I don't know. I'm just, I, sh I shouldn't. Try to figure that out. I, I watch. I watch YouTube she, more than I watch television. That's what I watch instead a, of television. She's a purist. I would call her a YouTube purist. And You're calling a lot of people purists tonight, honestly. It's your catchphrase today. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Oh okay, we've got. Let's, let's get. You know what we should do? Star review. Wait, no, no, no. not yet. Our no. author interview. Should we cut to our author we interview? Know. Wait, hold up. Before we do that, should we read a back cover copy of the oh, book? 100%. Does that someone have it quickly available? Or I will have it quickly available about this book. Let me click it on my Kindle. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> yes, girl. Here we go. Come on. <clears throat> Here we go. Um, so this is the book description. So we're going to say that that's the same thing as the back cover copy. Sure. <clears throat> A rare snowfall leads to a Christmas to remember. Three heartwarming interconnected stories of faith, love, and restoration brought, you, brought to you by three Louisiana, wow, Louisiana native authors. That was a tongue twister for those who are concerned. <laughs> Will a rare snowy Louisiana Christmas bring restoration and hope to the hometown and hearts of three women from the town's founding family? In a Louisiana Snow by Morgan Harpley Smith, meet Maddie, a passionate visionary who learns to forgive and find love in unexpected places. In Restoring Christmas by Betsy St. Amand, meet Jolene, an artistic, prodigal daughter who discovers love exists in the very place she once called home. In A Christmas Reunion by Leonora Worth, meet Adelaide, a beautiful widow who finally dares to love again. And don't forget about Granny, whose feisty spirit, blunt dialogue, and quirky ways play a role, play an important and endearing role. No one can forget about Granny. She is a delight. She is a delight. She is a delight. I love that they're, yeah, this is this is a really fun um, collaboration because, like we said, we each actually only read one novella, and at this point, we haven't read of uh -oh. the other two. No. So mm -hmm. each of us have only read the one, but it was so fun chatting with the authors. We're going to jump into that here in a moment, yeah. but it was so fun because it was like, all the characters are interconnected. They're all in every novella. It was so fun mm -hmm. hearing them all talk about the characters. And you can you can relate to everything that's happening, even mm -hmm. though you just went, read one novella, which is really, I feel like, unique to this mm -hmm. collaboration. So, Absolutely. Or unique. I haven't read any other collaborations like that. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All righty. So let's hop in. Meet the lovely authors. The dynamic. No. The um, well, dynamic duo is is terrific a nice little meet the terrific trio, and then we'll be right back here for you listeners, and we're gonna deep dive the book, answer all your questions, and talk about our favorite parts of it. Hello, listeners, welcome, welcome to another author interview. But this time, it's a trio of authors, which is triple the fun. I can just tell, triple the fun. Yes, <laughs> yay! Okay, so we have on. 
Betsy Cinemont, Morgan, Tar Morgan, great name, Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Tarpley <laughs> Smith, and Lenora Worth. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much, all three of you, for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. <laughs> um, so the three of you together have written a, it's a trio of novellas, and they are compiled in one book called A Louisiana Christmas to Remember, and it is, it, it has just come out, correct? It is yes. technically out. Yes. Okay. okay. We're recording this in September, and it has just come out. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. I neglected. We talked about this ahead of time, and I forgot what I was supposed to say. That's, That's why we looked at her like that. We were like, um, <laughs> how, how, how can I cue you more? Okay. So... <laughs> Um, the reason that we um, are even doing this is kind of a fun story. Um, we, the, um, Odette, Madeline, and I, last season on the podcast, read Tacos for Two by Betsy, and we're talking about how much we loved it. And when we were planning out for this season, we thought, oh man, we need a Christmas novella to like wrap up our season. Um, oh, wouldn't it be so great if Betsy had a Christmas novella out? And then we looked and we're like, oh, she has a Christmas novella out coming in a group. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. I wonder if we can figure out how to read that. And then literally it was the next day or two days later, Morgan emailed us and was like, hey, I have this Christmas novella in this group. And I, I were like, shut the front door. <laughs> that worked out perfectly. It was so fortuitous and so perfect. So, of course, we were like, Morgan, we want to read this novella. We want to read all three novellas. And we want to have you all three on the podcast. So that's how this fabulous um, exchange came about. Yeah, I was. you were already on my radar. And I was like, we need to be on the show. So Yay! it just worked out. Thanks. <laughs> radar? I can't even believe that. <laughs> <laughs> okay should we jump into the question let's let's jump to it yeah all right so this is a hybrid episode so we are also going to be having a second part later where we're reviewing the entire book all three of us we each read one of the novellas yes so i read morgan's i read lenora's <laughs> and i read betsy's so just so you guys know yes yes hi so there'll be pointed questions coming from specific people right. for that reason. <laughs> okay, so we want to know, firstly, just a little bit about this collaborative writing process. How did this project come about? How did you decide who was going to be a part of it? Whoever for anybody. <laughs> anybody who wants to answer can answer. I think, I think Morgan should answer this one because this was her brainchild. Yes. Okay. Oh, Morgan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, so it all started with social media. Actually, there was a Facebook post in Avid uh, Readers of Christian Fiction, where they do all the reading challenges, and it was just, um, we want to read a Christmas book in every state. And they were had gotten down to the dregs of the states that they were like, we don't know. No one suggested them, and Louisiana was one of them. And so I got tagged under that comment saying, Hey, do you know of any? Cause I knew I was in Louisiana and I was like, I have no idea. So I started tagging like Louisiana authors saying, do you have books? Do you have books? And everyone was like, everyone was like, um, Nope, we don't. So I was, and someone said, well, write one. <laughs> and so my wheels started turning. And I was like, well, why not? <laughs> and so I messaged, um, I knew Betsy. I did not know Lenora yet. 
And so I messaged Betsy and a few other Louisiana authors and was like, hey, guys, would you be interested in this? And everyone was, but some um, couldn't because of contract reasons and just scheduling. And Betsy's like, yes, I will. And she's like, can we invite Lenore? And I was like, of course. And so that's kind of how it came to be. But we've had the best time. Didn't we, guys? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That's fabulous. So, so Lenora, are you from Louisiana, have a background in Louisiana? I also? do. Uh, I grew up in Georgia, but we moved to Louisiana in the uh, early 1980s. Um, yes, last century, way last century. <laughs> and um, we were there 30 years. My husband worked for General Motors, and I lived in the same town that Betsy lived in. Oh, and so okay. um, when I had already sold to Love Inspired, and when Betsy sold to Love Inspired, I kind of stalked her and let her know you know, we live in the same town and, and uh, we were both going to ACFW right after that. And we were supposed to look for each other. And I kept passing this cute woman with this cute tote bag that has shoes on it. And I always looked at the tote bag and not her name tag. Well, it was Betsy. Okay. And we finally met up like the last day we were there. But um, that's how we actually met. And then after that, we we became pretty good friends. Yes, absolutely. And I have to brag I really on when they thought of me, um, even though I'm not a native, technically, I feel like that was my home because I uh, lived there so long, longer than I lived in Georgia. And now I'm in Florida, but I'm glad they thought of me. It was a lot of fun. Well, I have to brag on Lenora because we were at the ACFW conference uh, last month and she got her milestone pin for 100 books. That's amazing. I don't I don't know how I've done it. I really don't. And, but I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these two made me feel young again. So oh, <laughs> that. collaboration then. That's amazing. Um, okay, so kind of, I well, actually, this is perfect segue. Morgan specifically this is your debut fiction right is this debut yes, for you it is yes. okay so like tell us a little bit about that how did yeah just tell us a little bit about <laughs> your book, how you feel being like was it weird at all not in a weird way but like was it weird being paired with like hey this is my debut these two have a lot of books under their belt. How did that work for you? I, I, we want to know all the things. Well, I'll just say I am honored and privileged to do the book with them, that they actually said yes, because I haven't published. Um, and I, like I said, I, I knew Betsy a little bit, but I did not know, know Lenore at all. So um, I'm just honored to be part of it and that they they were read, you know willing to take a chance on a newbie. So I thank you, Lenore and Betsy, for, for uh, doing that and saying yes, because it's been awesome and a great learning experience. And it's been fun having a debut with, with co-authors because you're not by yourself. Like, I'm not sweating all the rankings and things by myself because they know I've been messaging them going, here's our rankings. <laughs> here's our this. Is this normal? Is this okay? Because I don't know any of these things. <laughs> so. And basically the answer is nothing and everything is normal. Yeah. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> just how it goes. <laughs> um, it, it's cool. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Go ahead. If you were going to say more. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, it was really cool too, because um, Betsy's 
agent um, ends up being my agent, but not then. So because of the collection, um, Betsy pitched it to her agent, Tamla Hancock Murray, and Lenora's agent um, was also very interested in doing the collection too um, and having having uh, Tamla represent us. And so we actually, I got to sign a contract before I had an agent, but because of the contract, I ended up having, didn't sign with Tamla. So it was really cool for me too, to have a contract before I have an agent, which usually doesn't happen like that. And it was totally a God thing because I'll, um, we'll probably talk more God things later, but I'll save one right now. For me, it was the beginning of 2022. I was like, God, like, can this be my year to get an agent? Like, please, <laughs> you know? And God was like, um, I'm, a, and I said before my birthday, like before my birthday, can I have an agent? You know, these things we ask God, like, you know, and I, but I was believing it. And then on my birthday, actually, we got the contract for this book finalized. We got the email saying, here's the final details. And I didn't have an agent yet, but he got me a contract first. So I'm just, guys, I'm still blown away by that. And I will keep telling everybody because God doesn't just show up for what you're praying for. He gives you way more than what you could ask for and in ways that, you know, you don't expect. So I'm just, I'm thankful and grateful. Amen. Amen. We're having church now. (laughs) That's so cool. And honestly, I... I feel like in, in my life, God has always shown such like an interesting sense of humor. And so honestly, the fact that he was like, hmm, well, how about a contract <laughs> instead of an agent? Just and the fun. email comes <laughs> on your birthday. <laughs> and, exactly. you know. yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. I, love it. I think that's incredible. And like way bigger than what you could even thought. Because, yeah. you know, just getting an agent is a huge accomplishment. But that doesn't guarantee a book, you know, and so there's a part of it or even a publishing. So I feel like that that's so much like God to be like, hey, guess what, Morgan? I'm not only going to show up, I'm going to show off a little bit and, you know, bring this. Yeah. And once again, for Betsy and Lenora to jump on board me when I didn't have an agent either, you know, so that was huge of you guys too, (laughs) to believe in the the story and believe in me enough to uh, go on a limb with that. So thanks, guys. Yay, this is so nice. That's mutual it. love fest. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Okay, so the the story is kind of what my next question is about. So Morgan, I know that you said you kind of got this inspiration to write a Louisiana-based Christmas book, but did you have like how you planned it out or was that a collaborative process? Like what did that part of the the, the book look like? Or, you know, was the story fleshed out and you went to um, Betsy about it? How did that work? I literally just said like, Betsy, would you want to write a novella collection about Louisiana and all the cultural goodness and all the the Southern stuff? And that's all I said. So really (laughs) it was, it was, you know, we started the ideas, the seed started there and we all got to water it and really from the ground Mm -hmm. floor, you know, see the the seed sprout and grow. And um, that was really fun. And I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to come in with just the bare bones idea anyway so it's more of a collaborative thing especially because we wanted this to be different wanted it to be not standalone novellas but a seamless read from beginning to end which was challenging but a lot of fun for us to collaborate on I'll let y'all weigh in too please Betsy Lenora weigh in on this yeah this was my first time to write a novella set that was more like a continuity Um, so like she said it was a little stressful but it was really fun we have this endless like if we ever printed it out I can't even imagine our Facebook messenger chat and it was so funny because we would start referring to each other's characters like we wouldn't waste time with like hey Lenora your character Adele remember this like what was her husband's blah 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 like you know trying to get some kind of backstory detail that we needed for our story 
we would just say, Hey, like, you remember your, you know, your dead husband, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like they would just start <laughs> saying your like, and we all understood. And um, oh we God. were just trying to cut corners at that point. Cause at this yeah. point it's also real. We're just so immersed. Um, so that was really funny, but the Facebook messenger chat, I think really saved us because we could just jump on and ask the most random thing yes. and get a quick answer um, mm -hmm. without having to blow each other's phones up with, you know, text messages or whatever. So, cause you'd be, you'd be surprised how many little details you need when you're writing such an interconnected story, mm -hmm. you would think, yeah. well, we each have our own main character, but there's so much that needs to like continue on and stream through each story uh, to mm -hmm. really give the full, the full picture. And thankfully it seems like it worked because the reviews that are coming in so far, um, all mention that exact thing that the stories flow mm -hmm. from one to the other. So we're all over yeah. here like, yes. Okay. We yeah, listen, it. Like a, like a novel, like reading like a novel. We're like, mm -hmm. yes, it's great. <laughs> and I have to say as old school, having written over a hundred books, this is the first one I ever wrote mostly through messenger. <laughs> and, uh, I told my husband, these youngins, they just use Messenger for everything. And I'm used to, you know, I need, a, I need it in front of me. You know, I'm trying to read it. And it was like, so I would tell them, I'm going to email this to you because it's too much for me to put in that little. <laughs> here, I can't do it here. But it did help. It was like we were on instant Messenger, like emergency Messenger. It didn't matter what time of day or night. And um, yep. It was really fun, and uh, yes, if we could have kept that whole message string, it would it would be a story in itself, probably. But <laughs> and I think it helped that we all knew we know Louisiana, we know the food, the culture, the um, customs. So that was the easy part, and the characters just seemed to come alive because of that. I think really awesome. and i'll say too from what betsy said like we are adele and maddie and jolene by the end of this you know oh. you you talk about you know especially Nora writing 100 books you can't maybe not put herself in every character a little bit but you hear about <laughs> authors putting a little seat of themselves but i do feel like we really dug deep for this because it is so close to our home, our heritage, yes. our, you know, our loved ones. We really, in Granny's character, who was our favorite mm -hmm. uh, collectively, um, yeah. Granny Eloise, we really yeah. put in like all of our Southern grandmas and like memories and put in her character snarkiness and like, she was, she was really fun to write. And so I think we really, she's, this is really a project close to our heart because it's close to home. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so fun. And okay. another part of the process is kind of interesting maybe is, whenever we would write a scene that had one of the other author's characters really like in it big, like a conversation, you know, back and forth, we would write it and then email or send it, send it through messenger um, uh, to that person and say, Hey, does this sound authentic to your character's voice? Um, and we would just tweak it a little bit like, Oh, I don't think she would do this. I think she needs this action beat or, um, oh yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly how she would react, you know, just to kind of help keep it. And I think that really contributed to that flow feel is we each have our own voice and our own characters, but whenever the other characters popped in, we were able to keep it really consistent. Yes. That's awesome. I think that to me sounds like such a fun, like that's just fun and so helpful because then you automatically have people that are there to bounce ideas off of and to make it cohesive. And honestly, I'm, I feel like I got the best end of the deal of all three of us because I did get to read the very first 
yeah. novella. Yeah. The one that I picked was the first one. So um, I'm probably, my reading experience will be the most seamless of everyone's because I started right. at- <laughs> Yeah. But I can't wait to read the other two. Like, I absolutely um, yeah. loved Morgan's, so I cannot wait to read them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, Morgan. It was, it was fabulous. <laughs> I devoured it during um, my kids' nap time in one afternoon, and I was just like, ah, this is so good. I was taking well, notes to the podcast. All stuff. I absolutely loved it. I'm a mama with a young kid, too, so it's like I was oh, sitting really? in the chair beside you and telling you a story. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Um, so specifically for you, Morgan, we have a couple of book specific questions. Um, your, I don't, your character's love story was just to me extra sweet. There was, there's something about that, that pining, that long pining element in a love story that I think is just so fabulous. So what did the characters speak to you? Did you feel like that? What made this the story that you wanted to tell? Their love story specifically. Well, I have to say one thing. I had to make Maddie a little nicer to Paul, just a little bit, because Betsy and Lenore made me. <laughs> because because Maddie was just in her own little world, and yeah. I had to scale her back a tiny bit. But you can see when you read, like she is, she has a reason. She's in her own little protected world, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it is to deal with her past, but mm-hmm. and misconceptions. I really am interested in like stories that have especially love interests where it's like enemies to lovers or it's more like people that you know, but you don't see them that way. Or you have like a, not a vendetta necessarily, but like you have one first impression of them, but it ends up being something else. I really like that. And you see that in Betsy's as well um, with her characters. And I like, um, I like that, but yeah, I like the whole, I think, you know, with Paul's character, I like that he was steadfast and that he was unchanging, but yet he still just really observed Maddie and he always wanted to help her see the good in her and like the best of her, even when she didn't see it herself and she was just going through the busyness of life, trying to make things happen. Um, and so I like, I'm glad you, you like the pining and stuff. Cause I, I like that as well. But that's the cool thing about writing romance. There's so many different directions to go because we all have so so many unique stories with our own romances and uh, people we know their romances. So thanks for enjoying it. I'm yeah, glad to hear that. <laughs> and I just want to say, listen, I'm probably in the minority here. Lenora and Betsy clearly know what they're talking about. I would have been fine if she would have been a little bit meaner. That would have made it much sweeter for me. That's just me. That's just me. That's good to know. I have freedom for the next book to make a mean. My characters end up starting out like a little mean and I have to scale them back. I don't know why. So. I love it. All right. That was my book specific question. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll go next then. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Betsy, I was the one who read your novella, and once I realized it was part of a whole story, I was like, oh my god, this is perfect standalone, but it's going to be even sweeter when I read the, the bookends of it. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the dynamic between the main characters, Jolene and Cameron, because it felt very similar to me. Um, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, or the interview here, I should say, that we read Tacos for Two, and so it had elements to me of kind of that tension between like they don't like each other, but they do. And they're annoyed by each other. And like, I said to the girls, I was like, it was kind of like 
enemies slash strangers then to lovers. It's just like this great kind of pathway. We were, we were talking about it last night when we were prepping for this. And I was like, I don't know that it captured one trope. It felt really, really well done between a few. And so, and I love that. And anyways, I really liked that dynamic and kind of their own journey. So can you talk a little about what was your inspiration for that um, particular kind of romance and them having to work together. So it was like proximity. It, it, it was just all yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a grab bag of tropes, really. Um, I was making a little marketing graphic that we haven't shared yet, um, where it shows, you know, the book cover and then all the cute little like tropes and buzzwords around it. And so I was texting, Meg, uh, I was texting Morgan and was like, what exactly is your trope and my trope? Like I was trying to figure it out because there are so many, I think that they all could kind of shift into. Mm -hmm. um, so that's funny you point that out. Also, here's a revelation I had quite recently about that, I was like, why do I have so many characters that tend to go this way? Like kind of that mm -hmm. snarky, maybe not even true enemies to lovers, but kind of get mm -hmm. off on the wrong foot or, you know, just kind of that banter anyway. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing when I was single, like even as like a teenager and then like going through a divorce and then dating again, um, that's my flirty style. Like that's my personal, like that's how I joke around. I always had a lot of guy friends growing up so like we would always just be like kind of mean to each other, but it was flirty, right? So like, that's what I knew. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I keep doing this. So here's some real talk for you. Um, so I think it comes natural to me because I like that, that banter. And when you have tension mm -hmm. and everyone's not just trying to be polite and get along, but you're just kind of like able to say what you think or feel, I think there's so much there's much potential romance to come from that because mm -hmm. you're you're being real, you're being authentic in those moments, you know, when your guard's down and you're just saying what you think and then getting to see how the other person responds to you, I think is really telling in a romance mm -hmm. too. Like, do you see through my CRAP? I don't know what we're allowed to say. Can, <laughs> do you see through that and see what I'm really dealing with or are you not going to try? You know, like I kind of see that in a lot of different romance stories. And I like that. I like because so many people and characters put on a front and, mm -hmm. and then that causes issues later. So I'm like, you know what, if they're going to just give it to each other and then they can love each other through that, like they're good, they're set, you know? So I think that's part of where some of these similar type tropes come in from my stories is I like the banter. It gives me a perfect excuse to be a little witty, but flirty, but sarcastic. Um, and it's just fun. It makes for fast mm -hmm. dialogue. Mm -hmm. I can knock out hundreds of words easy, like without even trying when I'm writing like a dialogue mm -hmm. scene like that. But when they're trying to be a little more like buttoned up, you know, I'm like, ah, this is dragging. You know, so I think it's just kind of me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you say that because yeah, there's so many tropes going on in the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nora said it's my voice. Yeah. So yeah. for better or for worse, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely for better for sure. Okay, I'm um, glad it works. <laughs> it's interesting too. So I am single right now and I've done a, quite a bit of online dating over the last couple of years. And one of the things is I've done a lot of research because I'm a researcher. And so I did a lot of research on how to be successful on online dating. And this one person did a revolutionary idea that, that they were like, you talk to a guy online or girl and you're like, okay, hey, listen, come to the date and tell me the worst thing about yourself that you normally hide. And if I can get over that initially, like you both agree yes. to it then the whole purpose would be then we, we could find out what we like about each other. But that thing that you're like, 
if someone finds out, like they're only gonna find out if they love me. What if you do the reverse? And so it's interesting because I feel like some of that elements could yeah. be that, that, that mm -hmm. vulnerability of the kind of banter and like they don't like each other, but they kind of do. And you know, yeah. they're willing to just like tell it like they see it, even if it hurts the other person's feelings, you know, they're just like, hey, listen, this is what I don't like. So very interesting. Yeah, yeah that's great. All right, readers, y'all heard that. She's single. So, I mean, come on. She's, she's, she's beautiful. Fabulous. She's a reader. Like, we got this. A Christian, for sure. Yeah. 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 That could be a book. Yeah. Yeah. She's even got her name. She's got Who's going to write it? Who's going to write it? Who calls you? write your story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's like a dream come true. Um, so, then kind of tying it to the faith, one of the components that I really liked about your novella, Betsy, here was that it did a good job of being that fun and like witty that we just talked about in some great romance, but then it really dealt with really deep issues. And this thing about like the guilt she was carrying um, from her past and what she thought and how she thought people perceived her that literally kept her away from family for years and years. And so can you talk a little bit about what was kind of the direction and how you kind of came to that conclusion? Cause there was a really good scene towards the end of it with her and her mom that I was just like misty eyed over. Cause I thought it was so good and the redemption she got and the freedom that all of a sudden then she could be herself and she didn't feel tied down to something that she was trying to prove, you know? So I feel like that was just- I love that that resonated. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Um, I've always been kind of intrigued um, with the the prodigal son or prodigal daughter type vibe, um, mm -hmm. especially one that's really more self-assumed and mm -hmm. not even how others are actually perceiving them. So I think that was Jolene a little bit. She, mm -hmm. she had some assumptions based on her own guilt and her own internal issues that she was projecting. And maybe some of the townspeople surface level agreed like yeah how dare you leave and be gone so long don't you know what all your family did and you know but for the most part the people that really that she cared about their opinions like her mom her cousin you know all them they really weren't judging her and she had to like see the truth so she could move forward with you know her her own walk and her relationships um, and it's just i think that's really relatable because we all do that in some form i think we make assumptions uh we think something negative about ourselves and then feel like it's just a neon sign and everyone else sees the same thing. And usually they don't, you know? So I think that was part of what I wanted to reflect with her is that, um, that prodigal daughter vibe and then the forgiveness slash redemption of when all of that gets worked out, you know? Yeah. It was really evident there. So good job on that. <laughs> Thank you. She, she was a character that really developed on me. I mean, we all had a, a strong idea of where each story was going. Obviously, we had to plan that in advance, being so connected. But Jolene really evolved on me. Um, and I didn't even necessarily intend initially for her to be as deep as she went um, with the novella. You assume you don't really have enough time or word count mm -hmm. room. Mm -hmm. But she did, and it, and it worked. And there was, I just feel like it um, it brought a lot I think it just brought a lot to her character to go ahead and just go there rather than try to fight it as it's happening. <laughs> Cause I've learned over my 25, 26 books, don't fight it. If your characters are going somewhere, just let them go <laughs> Yeah, follow them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause God has to be leading you through that process as well, just as much as the character is, you know? So I feel like that's definitely a part yeah. of being a Christian writer for sure. Yes, yes mm -hmm. absolutely. There's so much, personal, you know, healing and, and therapy that comes through writing, um, even even fiction, or maybe especially fiction, 
uh, it's just, it's a release, you know, and sometimes you can be processing something and put that into your characters intentionally. And sometimes you get to the end of the book you wrote and you think, oh, I needed to read that. <laughs> like that was for me too. You know, I see what you did there, God. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, those were my questions, Madeline. You're up. Yay. Okay. My turn. Okay. Yay. So, <laughs> Nora. Yes. I love the second chance romance trope. Thank I you. Um, and I wanted to know, as our author here who has written, you said you just finished your 100th book, right? Well, I've written over 100 books. You've written over 100 103 books. right now. <laughs> As you over 100 books. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite romance trope to write? Uh, well, I like this one. I like second chances and um, reunions. I do a lot of reunions and um, probably the reunion. Uh, I feel like because I moved away from my family at an early age that the reunion um, really um, is my thing because I would love to have a happy family reunion. And most of the time they're not all that happy, <laughs> you know, you know how family is, but yeah. I always find it fascinating when people are, are reunited. And um, like you said, there's so many assumptions and, if you can reunite with somebody and talk it through and really get go there, as Betsy said, that I think that's always um, rewarding. And um, especially when two lovers reunite and these two were so young when they met that it was, um, it was like, you know, a lifetime and they both had had lifetimes. And so uh, I, in my head, I'm thinking, how would they be now that they're mature and they've loved and lost and how would it be between them now as compared to when they were, she was a teenager and he was an older, exciting Parisian man. And so that's how I like, I like that. I like to write that. So. Okay. Oh my goodness. I just realized what romance. <laughs> the third novella is about because of the painting situation in the second one. Oh my god. <laughs> She's so excited. This is great. We're picking up the breadcrumbs. We left breadcrumbs. You there. did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh, hey, real quick on that. Y'all y'all have to know this. This is an insider behind the scenes, like super confidential, although it's just going to be on a podcast. Um, first to know. First to know outside of Morgan and Lenora. Oh, okay. I was probably halfway through my story before I knew what her mural was actually going to be. I wanted to mention like, that. I'm glad you not did. a clue. <laughs> like, all right, Lori, I guess you'll tell me eventually. We're just going to Facebook messenger. Going. What's the mural? We don't know. Bet figured out Betsy. What's the mural? We don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> she literally sent us a message like early in the morning or she's like, I figured it out. And cause she was really kind of struggling and, she said, I know now what I'm going to do with the mural. And we're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I was so we were, excited. Because we were Googling, like, Lenore and I were, like, look at Googling murals and sending her Pinterest pictures. Like, does this inspire you? We don't know. But Betsy kept persisting without giving anything away. She kept persisting because she was like, there's got to be a spin on it. There's just, I'm not there yet. And she has a great twist on it. You know, without it revealing. It without out, revealing. It worked out great. So. Yes. <laughs> well, and that book she like Jolene has that tension as she's deciding what to paint so mm -hmm. I feel like that's 
that's why it felt so real. Cause I was like, wait, but what is she going to decide? And then when I thought yeah. one thing, it was like, yeah. I was trying to decide. Yeah. <laughs> that's was also deciding. I love that so much. <laughs> and we had really a lot of fun. Like, I don't want to say pitting the characters against each other, but like their weaknesses and strengths, like with just mm -hmm. Jolene and Maddie's characters, mm -hmm. Maddie's such a planner. She's trying to control things. And Jolene's like, she cares more than she lets on, but she mm -hmm. just is trying to be like the free spirit, but really she cares more than we think. So, you know, so like yeah. her and Maddie are like more like sisters. And so it was cool for me and Betsy to explore that too, of like, how would these two first cousins who are more like sisters that are polar opposites how would they get along and where would they balance each other as well because we wanted this to be about relationships not just romantic but within mm -hmm. these women this intergenerational family of how they all the dynamic and so we really enjoyed that aspect even on top of the romance part which we all love <laughs> and i think i wanted to say to you lenora that i really liked um the dynamic of adele and her mom like I just love that dynamic <laughs> dynamic it seemed it was very realistic it was not happy all the time no <laughs> she had to work through with her older mother living with her in her home and I was like wow that feels so real <laughs> I had so much fun with those two I mean, they, they really they really were easy to write because they just I didn't have to do any talking. They did it. And so it was like, I just try to keep up, but it was so much fun. And uh, granny just, I could just see her in my head and I, I sent yeah, me too. Morgan, all these pictures, this is granny, you know, and she, um, she really, uh, those two characters really grabbed my heart because I knew them. I could see them. And so when they were together, it was fun, fun to write them. Yeah. I loved that dynamic. We all it. had fun writing Granny. Like we were all yes. like, we made Granny do this, but really she did this because she does what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> so it was more like we reported as we were writing our stories, we reported what Granny was up to because oh, yeah. we didn't know until she walked in the door and said what she was going to say. Yeah. And <laughs> so. she always, she always is one step ahead of everybody else. Kind of, mm -hmm. she knew what she was doing. So until <laughs> Chef Ernie, dun dun dun. I'm just oh, gonna right. out there. Oh. <laughs> no. out there. Trying to figure out how to get those two together. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Yeah, we had a uh, Pinterest storyboard that we all used for our individual stories, and then some inspiration like mood, Louisiana culture, you know, type photos, and then so we could all access each other's boards, and um, it was it was handy for one thing. So we could go see like, oh yeah, she had blonde hair. She had the, you know, but then it was just really fun too. Cause it made the characters all feel really real. Even the ones we weren't writing when we could go and just keep them on our screen and, and, and I could see Adele and I could see, you know, everyone. Um, so I've, I've just taught a class um, this past weekend in East Texas on characterization. And I was just like, y'all have to do mood boards. Like it's a game changer, um, not just for the convenience, but just to inspire. Cause there were several times where I was, you know, stuck on what is this mural going to be or, you know, something along those lines. And just looking at the photos just made me want to like dig in and keep going, you know. So I think that was a really helpful tool that Especially we had. To in my book, we had the Christmas ball and that was so much fun um, creating that and um, putting it together. And um, we had lots of pictures of that. And um, I really enjoyed that part of it. It, uh, it reminded me of Mardi Gras. And um, it reminded me of New Year's Eve um, balls and um, 
things that I had done in Louisiana where you get all dressed up and it's very festive. And um, so we had fun with that. We we helped pick out each other's the gowns they would wear. And oh, that's so fun. <laughs> and, uh, and they fit their personalities so well. So it, even oh, yeah. Granny, Granny knew exactly what she was going to wear. We re-geeked um, out about it, didn't we, Lenore and Betsy? Like, we were like, yes. which one of these dresses do you think Maddie would wear? Like, yes. I already know which one I think she'll wear, but guess. Like, it was. we're talking about a friend of ours. Yes. I love that. It was really fun. Well, and you can also, see it too. You can see the boards. They're 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 not private anymore. Oh, oh, so if you go to any of our Pinterest, <laughs> look for a Louisiana Christmas to remember. You can see the boards. We're not saving, hiding the pictures anymore. It's out in the world. Oh, I'm definitely so gonna fun. go do that for sure. So much. Well, and the dresses make sense because there's a scene in um, the uh, novella that I read where. Maddie and um, Jolene are going dress shopping and Maddie's like yes. had her dress forever. And she, yes. and Jolene, it's like the ball's like a week, not even a week away. And she's like, all right. And then she ends up getting a, a different color dress than that. Yes. <laughs> yep. And that was, that was so Jolene. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's another behind the scenes. I wanted her, this is so funny. Like, again, this is where it seems like they're just real people, but I had gone online and looked and found my actress stock photo with her dress, it was like, this is her dress. But we had already decided the ball was going to be a certain color scheme. Black and like, white. It, yeah, it has to, but she has to have this dress. Like, there's literally no way around it. So I created that whole scene just so my Pinterest storyboard imaginary, like, no one's even going to know or care, could wear the dress that I decided. Like, this is how extra we got with it all. So yeah, that whole scene evolved because I needed she her to told her, She asked me, is it okay if she wears this dress? And I'm like, well, that's, if that's the dress she wants to wear, yeah, we'll make it work. So in my book, when her mother sees the dress she has on, she doesn't even flinch. She just like, okay, that's my Jolene. <laughs> yep. I love it. Yes, it was fun. Yeah, we spent I mean, way we too much time detailed. on those dresses. We talked about <laughs> hairstyles, jewelry, shoes. Of course, Lenore's yes. talking about shoes. So we had, yeah, we like planned out like we were really going to this ball. So <laughs> I think we, we were all were. living vicariously. We were living vicariously. We really were, I think. <laughs> we want to go to a ball. Yeah. And then it was fun when Remy had to get dressed for the ball. That was fun for me, too, because he wasn't yeah. normally in a place where you get dressed for a ball. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. Little so we, there. you can tell we love our characters. I love it. You want to invite them to this conversation, you know, like, hey, come talk to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, ladies, it's time. Are you ready for some Christmas questions? Christmas yeah. questions. Of course. So ready. Yeah. ready. <laughs> Where did you start? Okay, I'll start. So we are, we only have a couple because there's three of you. So we didn't we could have come up with a lot more Christmas questions, <laughs> but we're like, well, we won't keep everyone here all night. So the first one is what is your favorite obscure Christmas movie? Oh, that's oh. <laughs> I'm raising one. my hand. Okay, I have so one. It's called is... a dog a dog named Christmas. And it is so good. Have you seen it? It's so good. Uh -uh. I've you have to watch this movie. It's a dog named Christmas. Dog I think I cried all the way through it. <laughs> it's good. Great. Oh, 
It is really, I watched it. I was here by myself um, one night. I'm not sure why. Probably made somebody <laughs> mad. <laughs> anyway, I, I sat down and I started watching this movie and it was so good. I just oh. I couldn't stop watching it. And it's really good. So watch that. Okay. Right. Yes. Adding that to the list. Okay. So well, mine is um, Family Stone. Have y'all seen Family Stone? Love no that. one ever really thinks of it as like a Christmas movie, but it is. It happens at Christmas. The best cast. It's got Rachel McAdams. It's got, um, oh, uh, who is Coach from the show? Coach uh, Craig, Craig T. Nelson. I always forget his name. Um, one of the Owen brothers. Um, Luke. Luke Owen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, it's just the best. And it's it's a little, it's, it's, it's a drama, but it's also a comedy so it has and all the feels. Diane Keaton, isn't she yes. the mother? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh my favorites. gosh. It's yes. so good. It's so good. So me and my mm -hmm. husband watch that every year. And I really married up because my husband loves Christmas movies. Like, y'all, I'm not kidding. This is the most romantic thing I've ever heard in my life. The other day, <laughs> we're sitting at the dining room table, like just eating lunch and whatever. And he looks at me and he's dead serious. He's like, We need to watch You've Got Mail soon. And I'm like, This is why we're married. Like, this is this is it. <laughs> So like that's him. So every Christmas he's so excited to watch all of our traditional movies, and like it. it's the best. That's yeah. So so that's mine. Family Stone, and he introduced it to me. I had never heard of it until we got married six years ago. So so good, Betsy. That's fabulous because I also watch Family Stone every single year at Christmas because of my husband. Um, I had watched it once before I was married and hated it. I absolutely hated it the first time I watched it. I was like, this is a terrible movie. Why would anyone like this? And then, <laughs> then my husband, um, his family watched it every year. And he identified so strongly with the elements of the movie. He's like, I watched this at Christmas. Like, I'm not compromising about watching this at Christmas. So I was like, whatever. So I sat down with him probably the first Christmas we were married. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it again with you. And I was like... Okay, I like this a lot more. This so good. Every time I watched it since then, we've been married ten years now. Every time Aww. I watched it since then, I was like, I like it more and more. And now it's one of my all time. Now it doesn't feel like Christmas unless I watch The Family Stone. So. I know. Oh my gosh, I love that. That is so great. It's such a it's such a good movie. There's so much going on, but it's yes. it's just so much comedy. But it's just got everything. I love it. Mm -hmm. All right, Morgan, what's yours? Okay, I guess my obscure one that no one really knows a lot about is Princess for Christmas with Katie McGrath and Sam Hewen. Oh. Have you heard of that one? And it also has um, Roger Moore in it, Sir Roger Moore. Ooh. I think I've seen so that one. Yeah. It, it's cute. I watch it every year because I love it. And I was a Sam yeah. Hewen fan before he did anything with Outlander, et cetera. So <laughs> I, because I, uh, he was in that. And I, I just, I love the movie. I don't know what it is. I just, I really like it. So I watch it every year. And not a lot of people know. I don't even remember what channel made it. It wasn't Netflix or anything, so I don't think I'm not. Actually, I, can't, I don't even know. I don't think it was Hallmark either, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, I like I like it. So I thought I knew what that scary. was, but now I don't remember. So I'm gonna have to look that one up yeah. too. Yeah, so like oh, she's weird. a guardian. She's a guardian for her niece and nephew because her their parents mm -hmm. um, died in a car accident, and then like it's the whole her 
brother-in-law was actually the youngest son of a, a, a duke or something earl or something like that and they end up spending christmas in europe and i'm like all about christmas in europe so the christmas markets the christmas markets in the book in my story were inspired by my love of german christmas markets i've been to germany at christmas time and it's a magical and so i was like if this town is so european heritage like we should bring some of europe to it as a as a marketing thing because that's maddie trying to help her town so, uh, so yes, yeah, so that was that was love part it. of my love of Europe was the Christmas markets. Oh, that's so cool! I love that. Okay, now uh, your favorite Christmas memory, happy, funny, sentimental, whatever. Just favorite Christmas memory. Oh, that's a tough one. Hmm. Or one of your Great. favorites. You can think of your favorites. <laughs> I got one. one, but I can tell you quickly. Oh, you it was um when I got my bicycle and I was very sick with a cold. I was about 10 years old, 12. And um, my daddy had been to town and he came home and I walked out on the porch and he had a bicycle and he said, Santa delivered this early. And I was Aww. so excited. I was, I got on that bike and rode and rode until it was dark and I'm, you know, I'm sniffing, I'm coughing and my mom's like, come inside. And so it was just really sweet the way it happened. Aww. I've written, um, uh, that I actually wrote that story down because it was such a memorable thing. So, yes. A memory for me that I love is growing up, my grandmother had like a, a village scene, you know, like the ceramic houses and the church mm -hmm. and different things like that and the fake snow. And of course, in Louisiana, I'm looking out the window and it's Christmas and it looks mostly like you're going to wear shorts, you know. So <laughs> I'd love looking at this little village, pretending I was there in the cold and snow. And there was this little tiny ceramic mouse and we would hide it. And one year we, my brother and I would take turns hiding it. Like we had to go find the mouse. And one year it got stuck in the chimney of the church <laughs> and we had to get it out with a butter knife and its little ear got chipped off. And so we always remember the, the mouse rescue, the great mouse rescue yeah, of the village. The great the mouse village. Rescue. <laughs> That's great. That's, That's great. great. There's a book. That's a children's book. Mm -hmm. Hey. Yeah. yeah there I you need go. To write that. That's cute. <laughs> um, I think one of mine it's kind of similar to Lenora's. It was a childhood gift I received where um, I was a big uh, horse girly when I was like sixth grade. Like I was all about saddle club, like, yes. and I had begged for a horse for years and we, you know, didn't have a whole lot of extra money, you know, growing up. And so I knew it was like a reach, but I asked and I asked and I asked. And finally I got my horse, um, I guess just a few weeks before Christmas. And that's a whole nother story. But so for <laughs> Christmas, I was really not expecting hardly anything because like, I just got my horse, like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I was young, I was like, probably 11. But I knew how finances worked. And I'm like, this is great. I'm fine. Give me a sweater like we're done. Um, but I come out Christmas morning into the living room and my parents had somehow managed. Um, looking back, I'm sure some of it was secondhand, but it looked brand new to me. I mean, all the tack. There was a saddle on a sawhorse. There was the blanket. There's the halter, bright blue. Um, I think I had a little oh pair of boots, gosh. you know, like, yeah, it was the whole thing, everything me and my, my new horse needed. And so uh, that was just really sweet. And now as like an adult, looking back, I appreciate that a thousand times even more because like I knew what that cost my parents and 
how hard they worked to like even make it look like it was brand new and you know, like just it was super thoughtful. Nice. So yeah. That's, That's special. I love that. <laughs> and I was a title club reader, so I'm feeling that for you. That was so yeah. nice. Like That's the yes. best. Yeah. That's so fun. All right. Okay, well, um, I think just to wrap up, we want to hear from each of you. Um, let us know where our listeners can find you on your social media pages, your website, and then um, anything you're currently working on that you can talk about and, and if you want to plug. Okay. Who wants to go I'll first? Plug, I'll plug first our Facebook group, which is awesome. It's called A Louisiana Christmas to Remember Facebook group. Please come join it. We um, had an awesome, fun week-long release party with lots of guest authors doing Christmas books. We also are going to feature Christmas authors all the way to Christmas. So it's going to be fun. We're doing giveaways. You can ask questions. And it's all the Christmas. If you love Christmas books and Christmas time, and it's all going to be about the Christmas books. So please uh, join our Facebook group. And I can be found at morgantarpleysmith.com. Amazing. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Lenora, you want to go next? Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I've... I'm um, working on right now a three book deal for Sunrise Publishers. Um, it is going to be stacked release in 2025, all three books. These are um, very Cajun Southern Louisiana romances. So series title is tentatively Magnolia Bay. That's the name of, of the, the fictional extreme South coastal Louisiana town that I created. Um, so I'm working on the first book right now. It's almost done. I've got two more 2025. So that's what I'm currently working on. Um, and I also have another Christmas book coming out uh, next month, the end of October with Love Inspired called Their Holiday Secret. And it's my first fake date trope, which is really fun. Um, I had a really good time with that one. And then of course we have the Louisiana Christmas to remember yes. that just released a few days ago. And what else? Um, I have a nonfiction book coming out, my very first one in uh, January, and it's for Christian women who have gone through a divorce. So if you are in that situation or know anyone in that situation, um, I'd love for them to be able to read and hopefully be encouraged. And it's called Once Upon a Divorce, Walking with God After the End. Um, so I've got all that coming up and my readers can find me. My website is BetsySanamont.com. Uh, there's no T in the saint, it's just all run together. And you can subscribe to my newsletter there as well. And I do um, usually do one about every month, sometimes every two months, depending on my deadlines. Um, but I do a lot of giveaways and it's a really fun time. I love interacting with people through my newsletter. So I'd love to hear from you. And me, let's see, I'm working on, um, <clears throat> I write Amish books. So I have uh, I'm, I'm Amish, blah, 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 blah. I have an Amish book coming out for Christmas called The we uh, the Christmas Quilt. It's uh, the last one of a series I did for Kensington. And um, the first one was The Memory Quilt. The second one was The Forgiving Quilt. And this is The Christmas Quilt. And it's out now. And then I just got the books today for a novella that I did with two other Amish writers, um, that said in that same, um, there's three sisters and they run this uh, big inn near Lake Erie. And this is called Christmas Kenner. It's about, uh, when I was asked to write it, it had to be about children. And mm -hmm. so it's Christmas Eve and they're all um, 
happy, happily married, and um, a pregnant woman comes up and she's about to have her baby. And her husband Ooh. has gotten lost in the snow trying to get to her. And oh so um, oh, while man. they're with her uh, and she's, she's about to have this baby, they kind of tell her the quick versions of their stories. So that was a lot of fun to write. And then um, I'm working on a Christmas canine book right now, which um, involves... It's kind of like Die Hard. It's not really Christmassy, but it's actually <laughs> but uh, the hero is guarding a dog that is uh, has a bounty on his head because he brought down a, a drug cartel, and so the heroine is a techie genius, and he he comes to her for help to track these people down before they find him and this dog. So we're trying to save the dog. We're trying to get them to fall in love and to enjoy Christmas. I've got lots of ideas for next year, but I haven't really um, fleshed those out yet. But you can find me at LenoreWorth.com and I'm always on Facebook and um, Instagram. And I have an every now and then hardly ever blog called AskElnora.com. Elnora is my alter ego that gets me in trouble a lot. <laughs> So it's askelnora.com, ask and nobody ever asks Elnora anything. She just tells everybody what to do. So it's <laughs> like Granny. Kind of like Granny, yeah. I was going to say, it seems like Granny. <laughs> Elnora's been around forever. I mean, forever. So anyway, that's that's it for me. So Yay. so basically what I'm hearing is Lenora is going to have 200 books in about a month. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> And I think that last one we can call a dangerous Christmas to remember. Oh, there, you go. <laughs> there you go. It sounds very dangerous. <laughs> I'm stressed about this but also dog I right now. Like, what the happened to this dog? Like, I'm so worried. No, I'm this no. manuscript. What? <laughs> your 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 canine. Oh, the canine. He'll be head. fine. Okay. He's in your row, so he'll be. He. That's what will happen to the dog. Okay. No, I'm not gonna let anything happen to the dog. Rule <laughs> <laughs> number one. <laughs> but yeah, he's got this bounty on him, so we we have to protect him. So we're working on that. So cool. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even know that dog bounties were a thing. So this is fascinating to me. It really is. It's based on, loosely based on true headlines that I've seen. But yes, he was a he was a war dog, and then he came home and he was kind of traumatized and um. But they let him go out on this one last mission to try to catch these bad guys. And um, he brought he didn't bring down the cartel, but he found a shipment of drugs that would have given them a lot of money. And so now they want him, you know, dead, gone. So that never happens again. And it's more of just a mean revenge thing, really. Right. So, this uh, veterinarian who is, has a secret past as a special ops guy, he's trying to hide him. And um, this is so great. I mentioned the movie, The Dog Named Christmas. There's also another good dog movie. It has nothing to do with Christmas, but it has Channing Tatum in it. So there you go. And it's called Dog. <laughs> And he's trying to save a dog. And it's yes. very good movie. I, I know. I think that it, our sister has seen it. Oh, okay. It makes you cry. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I made oh. my other writer friends, even Janet, watch it with me one night. And he said, just tell me the dog doesn't die. Just tell me that <laughs> the dog does not die. The dog okay, does not die. Before you get invested in a dog movie, you need to know. 
You know, is it yeah. going to be an emotional roller coaster? But will will I be able to see the dog happy at the end? So yes. <laughs> anyway, it has that good looking dude in it. So Channing Tatum. Yes. Channing Speaking Tatum of dogs, dog, Lenora, I found this at Hobby Lobby for you. It looks like a bogey. It's Christmas bogey. It looks like so bogey. I know, right? I'm going to give it to you at our book signing in Baton Rouge, but I showed Betsy. I could not get it because it looks like bogey. Bogey will love it. Then you're going to have to make bogey pose like this, which he won't do because he's moody. (laughs) So cute. Amazing. Well, ladies, this has been so fun. We are so delighted um, that you took some time to to spend with us and talk to us about your book journeys and all this kind of lovely Christmas-y things, even here in September. So (laughs) thank you for that. And uh, yeah, we can't reach, I can't wait to read the rest of it. I'm sure that- I know, I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank Thank you guys so much. It's been so great. It was fun. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Alrighty, we're back. Wow, that was so much fun. They were a blast. They were <laughs> so true. So that true. That was so fun. Oh my goodness. Wow. wow, wow. Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. So mixing it up today, we're gonna kick it off. Um, <laughs> Morgan is going to do a deep dive slash whatever her heart desires for. <laughs> this first novella by Morgan. And no, this is a book that Morgan wrote. This is, our Morgan didn't write this book. It's another Morgan. So the books go, each novella goes in order. So Mm -hmm. Morgan Tarpley-Smith wrote the first, Betsy wrote the second, Lenore wrote the third. So Mm -hmm. we are doing the same. So Morgan read Morgan's, LOL. Mm -hmm. Odette read Betsy's and I read Lenore's. So we're going to each go in order. So you Mm -hmm. get a whole feel of the cohesive story between all three books Mm -hmm. um and we're kind of doing our own thing so this is fun it's christmasy it's festive you're along for the ride people just like you are every time you hit play on one of our podcast episodes (laughs) that's the truth (laughs) all right morgan take it away okay so um i'm just gonna start it off at the top with saying that I'm very bad at summaries. So I'm going to try to summarize this. I took a lot of notes. I'm sure it's not going to be as good as Madeline and Odette's summary. There's a reason I usually stay quiet on the summaries in every other episode that we do, and you're about to find out why. But I'm going to summarize it. Okay. So um, Morgan Tarpley-Smith wrote A Louisiana Snow, which was the first novel in this collection. This is about Maddie and Paul. Those are our two main characters. Maddie is a reporter. Paul is a French teacher. Ooh, ooh la la. So so Maddie Maddie has lived... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie has lived in this town for forever. Um, Her heart and soul are in this small town. She loves it. Paul... um, his family is pretty affluent in the town. He has left multiple times. Like he's moved around a lot. Um, said they were in high school together. They were like in the same high school class together. He's moved around a ton since then, <clears throat> but he's currently back. Like he's back and he's a French teacher at their old school. Right. Okay. 
So here's the kicker. Paul has always loved Maddie from since high school. He's just been enamored with her, has thought she was amazing and has had a, he's been in love. He's literally been in love with her since high school. Maddie. Question. Yes. How, how old are they? Like how long has this oh, love slash crush been? Probably in their thirties. Okay. I would say thirties. Probably. Okay. Let's go with, I'm 33. Let's go with probably around my age. Okay. okay. Same. But Same I don't could be a little more, could be a little well, less. Sorry, that's confusing. Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, Maddie does not feel that way about Paul. As a matter of fact, she's always resented him. Been Why? mad. Well, good question. Good <laughs> question. I do know. I think that I can talk about it here. <laughs> um, sorry, you said to ask questions, no. so I'm asking. No, 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 that's good. That's good. Okay, so here's here's what happened. Um, so Maddie had a really tough, um, home life. Oh gosh, I'm mixing up two books. She had a really tough home life. Please don't ask me to elaborate because it's okay. I can't think of details. Okay. Paul, um, and so she was like constantly like working really hard to get mm -hmm. where she needed to be. And she felt like Paul just kind of effortlessly everything Sailed came to him. So she was like working her little tushy off, blah, 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 blah. And then Paul still got valedictorian and she was salutatorian. Um, they both were really like working towards this, this French, like um, kind of a study abroad work study thing in France. Okay. Um, they were both working towards that in French class and he, he won it. He ended up winning the scholarship and she did not. And that was the big kind of, so she resented him for a lot of things. Everything seemed to come easy to him, blah, 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 blah. And she took everything so seriously, but that was really the icing on the cake. She, he got to go to France and she felt like that just skyrocketed all the stuff for him. And she, she didn't get to go. Um, and she never would have been able to like afford something like that. She would have had to have won a scholarship for it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. she was not, was he um, wealthy? Yeah, his his family was affluent in the town. I don't remember what his father did exactly, but he's, I mean, he's okay. still around in the town and he's, everybody knows who his dad is. And by the way, mayor. are we in Louisiana? Yeah. His dad oh, is the mayor. The mayor. Okay. There you go. Odette knew. His dad is the mayor. Um. Okay. So anyways, Maddie um, has this really big thing about like, family oh okay i remember i remember i remember i was getting two books confused her parents are not around her father left her mother when she was really young and her mother passed away really tragically okay. so she doesn't feel grounded um mm -hmm. in her family she feels grounded in the town okay so mm -hmm. she's like constantly throughout this book she's spearheading this town this restoration project in this small town because like um i think it is a a hurricane. It's a what? Yeah, hurricane. Previously, that an early hurricane. Okay, uh, that wasn't what I was gonna say. But oh, I sorry. do you remember the building that she was trying to restore? The church. It was an old like church building. It was an old church, and like people, various people in her family had gotten married there. Yeah. And so like this like kind of her own okay. personal family heritage. So she's really grasping yep. at that. So she's like, we need to restore this, and so she's spearheading this fundraiser for it. Um and. Paul is on the committee. Like they're basically doing it together. He's on the committee 
with her doing this fundraiser. She's not happy about that. He overjoyed. He's delighted. Sure. Um, and he just like it, every now and then, whenever you get his perspective, it's like he doesn't understand why. He's like, why? Like, what have I done? I'm doing. I'm doing nothing but being helpful to her. Like, he just doesn't understand why she's constantly like he's going out of his way, bending over backwards, like trying to be helpful. Oh, I can do this. Well, what about this? And she just gets mad every time he suggests something. She's like, of course, whatever. Like, like she's and he's like, perfect. Just trying to help. Um. So he constantly like does little random things. So this is a novella. It all moves pretty quickly, but they're like, she has to run all these errands and she's very like type of, she's organized to the nth degree. She's got lists on lists on lists. She's got checklists and she's delegating to everybody. And so he constantly finds a way to be like in her car when she goes to pick up something like, Oh, do you need someone to go pick this up with you? Gotcha. Oh my and then the one time they like go to pick something up and he's like, Oh, hungry it's around dinner time there's this italian restaurant right over here like they just go and she's just like so sassy and he just like keep he keeps doing it though like consistently he's like in it to win it slow and steady wins the race good man paul he's <laughs> like i'm going for it with this chick and so he's constantly finding these like they like do like a couple of little like dates paul can that's what paul considers them he's trying right, to lay right. that groundwork and she's just like why do we keep having dinner um why are you, why are you so hungry all the time so the, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember um, specifically at what point it was, but they, they do have this bonding moment where a little bit of light is kind of shed on um, everybody's situation and the family pressure slash living up to a legacy. Cause Paul kind of lets out some of the fact, like he's never felt like he's been enough for his family. They've always kind of wanted him to go to the family business. He's a French teacher. Like he's not, not he's not doing business. no and so like and his sister is really like has done a lot of stuff and then she has that similar thing where she's like kind of grasping for family connections but it's because she doesn't feel like hers are very strong so she's trying to like fill this void in her life that she just doesn't have a lot of um, background in so they kind of bond over that because there's it's connected sort of Okay. Um, so then there's this one scene. It's like, again, so there's a lot happening. They're planning for this event. So much is going on. Putting out fires, having Italian food. Literal or yeah. metaphorical fires? Metaphorical, I think. Probably all <laughs> metaphorical. Maybe real, but if it was, it wasn't. She can't remember Imperative. That. Anyways, <laughs> so there's this one scene where they have to go pick out Christmas tree because it's a Christmas like a Christmas mm. bazaar. So they have to yeah. pick out Christmas trees for and she's gonna go and of course this is one of those Paul's like, oh I'll come, I'll help. <laughs> and so they're picking out Christmas trees and he's like, what about this one? She's like, absolutely not for this, this, this reason. What about this one? And he's like, okay, whatever. She's like, ah oh, no. And so she finally finds a perfect tree. And anyways, they're having this conversation. They end up behind the Christmas tree and they almost kiss. What? Christmas tree. And it's so, it's such like a, and then literally the person, I think it's the person who's like running the tree a lot, just like comes up and totally interrupts their moment. And they oh. do one of those like jump back things. And Paul's just pissed. It's like, are you kidding me, man? Because he's been waiting what's, for this for years. What's wrong with you? And Maddie's like, oh my gosh, what did, what, I, almost what did do? I almost do? What's going on? It was amazing. Um, 
it talks a lot about um, her, Maddie, because again, as I said, Maddie is very organized, very structured. It talks a lot about her cousin, Jolene, who is, Maddie considers her flighty. She's an artist. She's never around. She's like always off doing her own thing. Sometimes she'll come back sometimes, but Maddie does not really feel like she's someone who she can rely on. And then it also talks a lot about her aunt, Adelie. Adelie? Adele. Adele. Oh, okay. Um, and yes. So she talks about a lot about those two characters. Um, wow. Okay. So, okay. So, um, there's a last minute emergency situation in that the person who was assigned to run the crepe station at the bazaar can't show up. And Maddie is freaking out. That is an emergency. She's freaking out. She's like, what the heck? And Paul says, you know what? I've had crepes. I can flip a crepe. I'll step in. And she goes, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, I got it. Sure, I'm ready. And then Aunt Adele is also like, oh, I can help you, Paul. I too know how to do crepes. (laughs) And so in this moment, Maddie like has to kind of like loosen her grip and be like, rely on someone else. Um, Right, exactly. Um, And so then, oh my goodness, um, Paul, so this whole time side, Paul has come back, as you know, he's moved around a lot. He's kind of like wants to leave again a little bit. He's been thinking about this other job out of state. Okay. So he gets a call at this Christmas bazaar. Okay. And um, he has decided against it because of the almost kiss with Maddie. He's like, I'm getting somewhere here. Okay. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I've loved her forever. Smoochie-woochie. So. Almost smoochie-woochie. Not an actual smoochie-woochie. So he is talking. This person calls him in the middle of the bazaar. He's talking to him. Maddie overhears part of the conversation. And oh, no. misunderstands it and thinks he's leaving. And she is furious she's so mad at him um she's always felt like he was unreliable which is a fear for her because Mm -hmm. she didn't feel like she had people to rely on Mm -hmm. um oh and then you also find out that well no you don't you find it out earlier but i found it out which is why i put it in my notes here when i was reading i made the connection personally that maddie lost her mom the exact same summer that paul went to france oh yeah so um anyway, so she like flips out at him and at first he's like what the heck he doesn't know what's going on and then later on he realizes oh she overheard part of this conversation mm-hmm. um so he ends up um so they're like on the out she's like i'm not i'm done I'm not i can't believe i started to almost kiss you behind that christmas tree and then <laughs> paul through that, not directly after, he decides that he needs to air out his grievances with his dad because he's never told his dad how he felt. So he goes to his dad and he's like, why have you always put this pressure on me? I never feel like I can live up, blah, 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 blah. And his dad is literally shocked. He oh, wow. didn't realize that he felt that way. He's like, I've always appreciated you. I think you're amazing. He's like, I only ever want to see you be happy. It's like, I think that you have a lot of potential and I just always wanted you to live up to it but i never wanted to put pressure on you ever um he's like you're a different person than your sister i don't compare you that's not what i do i just want you to do what you want make sure you want to do what you're what that you want to do what you're doing um so they had a great reconciliation blah 
that so then now it's the bizarre okay and it's happening everything's happening oh there's this whole thing earlier where maddie's favorite um are you raising your hand oh She's okay right yeah. Um, okay, so but didn't didn't the bazaar already happen with, with the crepes, and that's when Maddie no, over that was, that was a pre bizarre emergency. Okay, oh no, no, I know, but he wasn't. So he just told her he he, he wasn't making the crepes when he got the phone call. Because you said he was in the middle of the bazaar. I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm telling you now <laughs> is that the bazaar is happening. The timeline is murky, it's a long but bizarre. all of these things happen in the book, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. Listen, okay. So now it's the actual bazaar. There's a point of the bazaar. Maybe it was the first part of the bazaar and this is the second part of the bazaar. Oh, you know what? The bazaar goes on all week, actually, I think. Oh, I, I think mean, that's the bazaar usually go on for a while. So maybe that was the first day and this is like the third day or something. I don't know. She loves the song, Oh, Come, All You Faithful. Oh, who doesn't? That's her favorite Christmas carol. There's a scene when they're driving to the Italian restaurant where she literally has a playlist that has like five six different versions of this exact same song <laughs> and he calls her out and he's like have we just listened to three versions of the exact same song she's like it's my favorite so he goes to the choir director one of the things Except that he does four. and he's like can you please make sure that Shut you guys sing okay, oh, oh my gosh so so um so that happens during the bazaar but they both have these this really awesome god moment um, during while like not like looking at each other and having a moment, but they each interpersonally have this God moment during that song. Um, and Paul's God moment is stop running and come home. Okay. That's his God moment. Maddie is God wants to bring restoration. And it was really, really powerful the way it was done. And then of course, my notes literally in there. So the oh, wow. <laughs> so oh, wow. but then like during the so they, people, they like look and she's like, oh yes, they get together. And then she's like, oh Paul. Beautiful. You she's what? like, you know what, Paul? You're the one for me. You're the one for me. And it's really swoony and impactful and lovely. Sounds and it's great. great. Um, so my rating, I loved this. I don't know if that came across my summary or not. Probably not. <laughs> but I did love it. I gave it a 4.25. Nice. I thought it was so great. It was very fun. It was so sweet. Like, I literally squealed out loud during that almost kissing. And mm -hmm. Paul was just so sweet and lovely. I loved him so much. Okay. Are we doing sound bites for segments or no way? No, no. That, that's We're not. Wonderful. Just, that ship has sailed. Wonderful. So. Not, not forever. Just for this episode. Sure. sure. Just making sure. So my swoon scale, I do have a swoon scale. Okay. Because the this couple had definite Jack and Lucy vibes from when we were sleeping. Wow. Okay. Oh. Okay. All is a lot like Jack Callahan. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. For okay. sure. Maddie is not quite like Lucy, but a little bit. But their, their kind of interactions reminded me a lot of um, Jack and Lucy. And it was very sweet, and I loved it. I love that. I have a couple of recommended reads for you for some Christmas novellas. We've talked about these before, but it just feels Let's talk it about them bears again. repeating. Let's talk about them again. Any Christmas novellas by either Brooke St. James or Homegirl Brooke. We love you. Homegirl. We love you, Brooke. Um, or Mimi Matthews. Oh, I love Mimi Matthews. She's wonderful. 
Um, any Christmas novellas by them are sublime, and you should read them, <clears throat> along with, with this one. Um, the God Factor, for me, the thing that I was just really like, okay, I have here, it says, what is God asking you to do today? Stop and listen. Because I feel like that was just like such an interesting, like he can speak to you through anything, through a Christmas carol that you've heard 15 gajillion yeah. times. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I think us being willing to just like stop what we're doing, quiet our minds and listen to what God is saying. If you, if your life is in turmoil and you're like, why isn't God speaking? Chances are he probably is, yeah. but you're not quieting yourself up enough to hear him. And this is like, me all the time I'm constantly having to do this um but I just kind of loved the way that that was because it literally was like this quiet moment and they were both reflective for a hot second and then boom God like mm -hmm. into both of them for different reasons and I just think that it was perfect I loved it okay highs and lows and then I'm done highs sweet swoony love that the God moment came through a Christmas carol yeah it was super fun awesome. lows the reunion moment was too fast. It needed to be drawn out. The mm -hmm. ending. That's why probably I don't have it written here. It was like that, that the beautiful tension um, and impactfulness that was built in that Christmas Carol God moment. And then the reunion happened pretty quickly after that. Part of that is just novella. Sure. Novellas are fast. But because I loved their characters so much and they had so many swoony moments, I was like, oh, I want more. I want them to like kiss for five more pages. Like just a little, there's sure. just some more. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyways, but obviously it was not that much of a low because I gave it a 4.25. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Morgan, that was fabulous. Love it. Can't wait to read it. Thanks. Literally cannot wait to read it. Tyler? Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the name of the town? Do you know how to pronounce the name of the town at all? Moreau. Moreau. Okay. That's what I thought. Oh, my God. Nope but I didn't remember what it was. That's okay. Okay, so Morgan, anything else from your from the lovely novella you read? Okay, so I'm gonna jump into a rare snow, um, well, a rare snowfall is the um, uh, opening sentence to the back book description that I read earlier, but the book I read is Restoring Christmas by Betsy St. Amant. So this book centers around, I'm gonna do a, uh, mini deep dive here. Um, and I'm going to um, kind of talk through it, um, highlight a couple of things that I hopefully think are relevant because I've not read the third one yet. Um, but um, you get to see some growth in Maddie. So Morgan, I feel like that'll be exciting for you to kind of um, go along with. So the book opens and you meet Jolene and she has been living in Nashville for the last, I think it's seven years. Um, and basically, um, she wants to be an, an artist. And so she, come, but she's coming back because it's Granny Eloise's, who she loves dearly, and who taught her art and made her love art. She's an artist herself. Um, taught her how to, how to paint and really believed in her gift. Um, she basically um, is having her, her 80th birthday party like the week before Christmas. So Jolene is just planning on coming home for that. So she, she doesn't tell her family when she's coming home. So she gets home to her childhood house, drops off her bag. She's like, I'm gonna go for a walk around town. It's like all Christmassy. And she runs in to um, the hairdresser. And basically she's known as kind of this prodigal child is kind of what everyone kind of knows about her. And it's basically like, it's like, she's very well, she, everyone kind of sees her as 
abandoned, like this kind of thing, at least in, in her perception. There are people who we find out in the book that don't feel that way, but for the majority of that, and it's two weeks till Christmas. And so <clears throat> she's walking around, it's cold there, which is unusual for Louisiana, and um, especially with snow and stuff. And so she basically is walking, and the hairdresser like calls out her name, and she's like, Jolene, is that you? Why the daughter returns? Meanwhile, while um, uh, Kimberly, the salon owner, which she's a very minimal character, but the reason why I'm pointing this out is she's literally having this man, this very attractive man, hanging a sign outside of her, her salon named Cameron. And Jolene doesn't know him, but he knows her because he's close to Granny and he, her, her family. She's like, how do you know my Granny? And he's like, at first he, he doesn't know who she is. He thinks she's um, Eloise's daughter. She's like, no, I'm Eloise's granddaughter, please. Um, and then... Um, uh, yeah, she's like, <laughs> Adelaide's my mother. Um, and so, um, then, um, uh, they kind of have this like awkward interaction where he's perceiving all these things that he's heard about in, in town of her being kind of this unreliable, like artist and all this kind of stuff. And like, just like doing her own thing, abandoning her family and all this. And so he's kind of rude to her to begin with. Um, and she's kind of like, but you don't even know me. Like, you know, are you just going off kind of based on rumors? Um, and then she finds out that he's a contractor and he's the one restoring the, um, I don't know if she finds out in the end that moment, but you find out as a reader very quickly on that he's restoring the old chapel that was destroyed by the hurricane that Morgan referenced um, in the last um, uh, novella there. And so, um, uh, it end that kind of intro scene ends with uh, Kimberly, the salon owner, basically, yeah, she's an artist in Nashville, and Julian's like, not anymore. And you're like, what's going on? Because she's like, pretty sad. So then, literally, you flip to Cameron because it's like a back and forth between the two of them, which I love. And so um, now you're having Cameron's POV, and basically, he's he's in his truck and he sees um, Julian standing outside the chapel by herself, and he's like, oh, she looks cold. I should you know, see if she wants to ride home, you know. So he literally stops the truck and basically apologizes and is like, but they're still kind of annoyed at each other, but he like offers her a ride. So he drops her off literally at the driveway. She goes in the house and what they have found out now, because Maddie lives at, at her, Maddie lives with her mother, her grandmother, and when um, Jolene's in town with Jolene. Um, so Maddie lives at their house. Um, so she's kind of like a second sister to her. And um, so they find out that the muralist who was going to restore um, the mural that had been destroyed by the hurricane um, has injured his right hand and literally cannot paint. And so um, Jolene is like getting sugar for her, her grandmother and she overhears Maddie, Granny and um, uh, her mother talking about the fact that they're telling Maddie, you need to ask Jolene to paint this mural. And Maddie's like, you know, she's unreliable. And so Jolene walks out into the dining room and is like, so I'm unreliable. And then basically she ends up saying yes to doing the, this mural and it has to be done by like that weekend. So it's like the beginning of the week. So she has less than a week to paint it. And so she's like, uh, I roll. And they're like, please, you know, you need to, you know, whatever. And so, um, uh, so then the next day she goes to the town council meeting because Maddie's very involved with this re restoration project. And um, so is Cameron because he's in charge of it. And he got this um, architect named Remy. I don't remember his last name, but he's like a French architect. And he's literally going to, um, what'd you say? Vachon. Yes. He's, so he's going to come and like look at some re restoration part beyond just kind of what Cameron's doing. Cause Cameron's really focused on the gazebo. Cause they're going to release the gazebo and the mural for this big reveal um, that weekend. 
<laughs> so basically, um, Jolene begrudgingly says yes, because she's the only one who can paint this mural. And they're like, listen, Nathan already sketched it out. Literally, all you have to do is paint it. Um, and she's like, fine, whatever. So he has all the, the supplies. So then her and Cameron have to work closely together. And like, they're kind of both annoyed by each other because he's like, she's unreliable. He also thinks she's there because Granny's turning 80 and he thinks that she's trying to make sure she's in Granny's will. Because he, cause he had a ex-fiance who mistreated him in ways that like, he just couldn't trust her and she was in it for the money and in it for a lot of things. And so he just has a really distrust of women and he's very attracted to Jolene, but she's like, like, and she's very attracted to him, but like there's both those moments where they're describing how each other looks, you know, and and like the long glances, but they're like, can't do that. Um, so <laughs> they start they start this mural and start working together, and then they decide to call it truce because they're like, all right, we gotta like work together. They're just like both annoyed by each other, and she's just annoyed by him, and she's particularly annoyed because the first day that she's painting the mural. He literally leaves the site early, goes to her grandmother's house and asks her grandmother if she should be concerned that, that Jolene is back because she's out to get her money. And he and her grandmother's like, no, that that's not how she is. Like, you don't know her. She's been through a lot. Um, and I should say that Jolene really hasn't been back, back, back in town since her father died. Um, and so and her and Maddie are kind of at odds. But throughout the book, they kind of rekindle um, their their friendship. And it's really beautiful to kind of see that. Um, dynamic go because they both extend all the branches to each other um and maddie is very reluctant to let jolene be the one to help she's like very annoyed she's like she's un um reliable she doesn't do lists like she doesn't like she's an artist whatever whatever so meanwhile you find out um from jolene as she's kind of exploring this is that she feels very um unsure of what she wants to do for this for, 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 for this mural and something about it feels wrong because they're literally redoing the same mural that was destroyed and she's like that's not like how is that hopeful like remembering the past how is that that hopeful like we need to restart and you know so she's debating this with Cameron and he's like well listen um because she because she, she's just like standing in front of the mural for like a day and doesn't do anything and he's like what are you doing and she's like well I don't think this is right and he's like what are you talking about of course it's right it's the same thing so they have this back and forth finally she convinces him that she's going to um, uh, redo the mural. So she, but it does take some convincing. And this is kind of in part that, that he but trusts the fact that like, you know, he, he's kind of sweet on her. Um, but he also asks her in, in the meantime, because it's just kind of like they're, they're happy and then they get mad at each other and then they're happy. You know, it's one of those kind of dialogues. He asked her to the Christmas ball. So she has to go get a dress. So she asked Maddie to go get a dress with her. They have some delightful dialogue. Um, and, um, then, um, when she, she decides to kind of go with her gut on the mural and she's like, but then she still doesn't feel like it's right. She's like, I don't understand. And so she decides that what she's going to do is paint this big hurricane, um, across kind of the, as, as a reminder of what happened in the town. And, um, Cameron's like, no, why would you want people to be reminded of that? And she's like, well, because it's part of our history. Like, you can't change that. And everyone's like, you haven't been here for this, you know. And so the whole town's counting on you. So she's getting very stressed. Um, but then she has a really good conversation with her grandmother and um, basically has this dialogue where, where, where her grandmother's like, if, if it's not right, like, trust your gut and figure out kind of what is right. Um, and in the meantime, she's really not very close to her mother now. Um, and you basically put two and two together that she's been running away from um, her family since her father died. And you realize it's more towards the end of the book. And I mentioned this with Betsy, but um, she realizes that her mother, or she thinks, Jolene thinks that 
her mother blames her for her father's death because the night before he had a heart attack, her and her father got into a really big fight because he wanted her to go to law school and she didn't want to. And things were left. And so she was concerned that she put him in such a stressful state that he had a heart attack and died. So she felt guilty. Her mom was like, oh, no, he came back and he had no ill will. He actually wanted the best for you. And so because um, she's like, also, she failed to get in, into art school and she's tried really hard for seven years. And she's like, what am I even doing? Like, this isn't, you know, what I kind of want. So um, in the meantime, we meet um, Remy comes and basically decides that because he like meets Cameron at the chapel and then decides he's going to, in fact, um, uh, restore the the chapel. And he tells this to um, uh, everyone at grandma's or granny's um, 80th birthday party. And um, so at her 80th birthday party, um, but it's really weird because right before her 80th birthday party, the night before, Maddie and Jolene are going through Granny's paintings. Because Granny was a painter, as I mentioned, the reason why Jolene is a painter. And there's this painting of this couple in um, Paris. And so they put it out because they think it's so beautiful. And um, Adelaide, like, freaks out. And so does Granny. They're like, don't put it out there. You don't understand. And they're like, that was weird. And then when they're at the 80th birthday party, and Maddie's like, they're probably just stressed. And Jolene's like, no, something's weird about this. Because it was like a very visceral reaction from both of them. So then they're literally at the eighth birthday party and Remy shows up because Cameron invited him. So, so Remy shows up to tell him that he's decided to, it's basically like a charity type situation. Like he's going to give him a big discount and it's going to be like, Hey, he's trying to help restore Louisiana from the storm. Um, so he's going all over kind of town to, or towns to do this. And so it's really weird because Cameron introduces him to granny and granny like gives him the cold children is very rude and barely like says anything and walks away. And you're like, Oh, there's something here. So anyways, in the meantime, Jolene has had this personal revelation, the fact that like she realizes that she falsely believed a lot of things about people assuming that that she wasn't wanted. And when, when people were just hurt that she like left and didn't, you know, she didn't talk to them. She didn't, you know, reach out. She didn't do these things. And so it was this weird tension where it was just a lot of misunderstanding. So she's feeling so much better at Granny's birthday party. She's like having a great time. She waltzes over to Cameron and she basically tells him, listen, I have one final idea for this mural. And he's like, is it done? She's like, well, no, but I, but I have an idea. And he like totally blows her off, basically tells her that like, I knew that you were unreliable and like, he was really rude to her, even though they have been having all these romantic moments. And he's like, this is your grandmother's birthday. And he leaves. And she is devastated. But she's also like, you know what? I got this reveal tomorrow and she's going to go for it. So she reveals the mural. What she's decided to do is, so the one half of it is this hurricane. And the other half is these really cool um, pictures and like paintings of all the towns, of all the areas in town. And she decided instead of having them all done, she wanted the town people to come in and paint them and like set up and be volunteers because she thought, why not make this mural about the town and have people invested in it instead of just having a muralist. So anyway, so Cameron comes to the un unveiling. She talks about that, basically talks about like has this redemptive kind of moment, you know, for the, um, uh, like for, for the viewers to hear um, and everyone in the town loves it. Cause it's also like, she's afraid the town's going to hate it, but the town loves it. And then basically Cameron realizes he was wrong and tells her, and then he kisses her. And, I sure hope he does. Yeah. Well, and at one point he told her when he was mad at her the night before, he was basically like, if you don't want, if you don't want to come to the ball with me anymore, that's fine. She was like, I'll let you know. And they're both like really nice to each other. And then obviously okay. they're 15. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cause he's stubborn in his own ways, he's stubborn, but like, there's just so many moments of like, like I, I, I could go on about that, but I won't for the sake of time, but there's some really good moments of like the back and forth and like they call truces and they break their truce cause they're mad at each other. And it's just, 
Chef's kiss. Um, although when it ended, I was like, I was expecting another chapter and then it was over and I was like, no, kind of like you were gonna, I wanted more, but I think that I'll get a little more in the, at least it takes, cause you do get a little bit of the Paul and um, Maddie romance for sure in this one. Okay, so my star rating is four, thought it was great. Um, I thought that this novella did a really good job of getting deep and yet still um, not being too deep that you felt like you're wading through too much like deep water or something in a short book. Um, I thought the characters were very swoony. I thought it was very fun. Um, but I feel like because I only read one of it, I think that there could be questions that I have that I think would be answered in the other two potentially, the other, the other two novels, or excuse me, novellas in the book. Um, so that's my star rating, four stars. A um, couple of things. So what I'm going to talk about here is um, a God moment, and then I did a little research and also a spoon scale. So spoon scale for this one. Sorry for this rapid fire. I'm trying to not talk as fast, but there's a lot to do. Um, so spoon scale for this one. Um, so there's this movie that I saw last year on um, uh, Prime TV called Something from Tiffany's. Did, did y'all see it? Mm-mm. No. Okay, so it came out. It was one of those movies that I literally saw a TikTok um, ad for, and was like interesting. And I thought it was going to be super cheesy and like super, which I love cheesy Christmas movies. Like I will watch them all season long during the Christmas time. But it ended up being like really sweet. But it had these moments of like where someone wasn't completely honest, and like it made this like tension throughout it. And I thought, and but also like. It was one of those things where you like want characters to be together, but then you're also like, but how are they going to get there? You know, because it feels like there's some misunderstandings, you know, and this kind of thing. And premise of that movie, I'll just say it real quick, is there's two guys who buy gifts at, at Tiffany's, the jewelry store in New York, and their bags get switched. And so um, basically um, the one guy who was originally just getting his girlfriend earrings gets her an engagement ring. And the guy who was thinking he was getting his 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 girlfriend in engagement ring gets your earring and so it's this like and then they had met because the reason why the bags got switched is someone got um hit by a one of the guys got hit by or got run into by a cab or something like that so he's in the hospital so they meet the girlfriend who ends up being the one who's was fake proposed to because it wasn't actually the ring meant for her so it's this delightful movie of like back and forth um anyways so just the swooniness of that um and then the other component is research. So I was curious because I talked a lot about in this book um, uh, about painting murals, obviously. And like, it was this huge thing about how long it was gonna take to paint this mural. I do think it was in a courtyard. So I think it was not fully enclosed inside because they talked a lot about it being cold. They had to put a tent around it because it was obviously a building that was in need of restoration. So it wasn't like they had running like water or, or electricity or all that from what I gathered. So. To paint a mural, if you're curious, it depends on the size and the complexity of it. Um, outdoor murals, so eight feet by 16 feet, typically take one to two weeks to paint, um, weather permitting. Sometimes it can be a week if it's indoor. Um, and the average cost of a mural depends on how good the um, artist is, but it can range from five to forty dollars per square foot of the area being painted with a $300 minimum most times for a mural of, of any size. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it literally- so That would have been like a pretty quick turnaround. Yes. What they were talking about in the book. Significant, <laughs> like, I think if you pictured it, like the way that it was described in the book, like have you ever been to like an old church or something and you walk in and there's an entire like wall 
full of a mural, it seemed to me that it was quite massive. So that's why I feel like it was like, oh, this is a big task kind of thing. Um, anyways, there was I don't, there could have been dimensions in it and I just skipped over it. Um, okay. The other thing I want to talk about real quick here um, is it mentions it on the back cover and in the book that it snowed in Louisiana. It does not snow very often in Louisiana. Um, so average snowfall in Louisiana is approximately 0.2 inches um, per year, a low figure rivaled only by the states of Florida and Hawaii. <laughs> 0.2 inches per year. Yeah. <laughs> no, no snow for them. Um, no snow. <laughs> the winter months are only three months, Jan December, January, and February in Louisiana, and the average seasonal temperatures range from the mid-40s over northern Louisiana to the low 50s across the, the southern parishes. So it doesn't even get below freezing there. So the fact that's that it's cold. cold, yeah, exactly. Mid 40s to the 50s is like, oh, it's a nice sweater weather. day. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. <laughs> sweater weather. Um, and last but not least, the God factor. And I talked about this a little bit with Betsy, but this book did a really good job. And I've been finding this more and more recently in Christian fiction. I've been loving it of where characters find through relationships that they need God in different ways or through romantic interest, I'll say even. But at the end of the day, they need to find God on their own and then come back together versus it being like, I only found God because of this person. It's like that that relationship or that conversation or that desire to be with that person pushed them towards um, restoration on their own. And just like the redeeming factor of her mom's relationship, her and Maddie's relationship, her even and um, Cameron's relationship, because she kind of didn't believe that that, that she you know, deserved any of those things. You know, it was like, I deserve to be away because I killed my dad. Well, that wasn't true, you know? And so I think it's that balance of um, looking at kind of holistically what it is to, to find God for yourself, but then how rich relationships can be around you. Um, mm -hmm. find that. So that's my summary. That's great. Um, you guys did so good. You both <laughs> stayed like right in our 20 minute like list. I mean, Y'all just threw down a challenge and now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do it too. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Um, I read obviously the third book in the third novella in the collaboration. It was called, it is called a um, Christmas reunion. I believe. Yes. Christmas reunion by Lenore Worth. Um, the book opens and our main character is Adele. I'm pretty sure it's how Lenore was saying it in the interview, which is why I'm pronouncing yeah. it that way. It's not Adele. spelled that way. No, it's not spelled that way. It's not spelled with an E, but it's they were pronouncing it Adele, and yeah. it sounds more French than anything else. So yeah. Adele, who is Jolene's mom, mm -hmm. and Eloise's daughter, and Maddie's aunt. Okay, so there she is in the relationship um tree the family tree um and so her it opens at eloise's granny eloise's 80th birthday party and remy is there and remy vachon is there and adele is freaking out because he's there so we she's like she's losing her mind she's losing her mind that this guy's here so we find out immediately that when she was 16 and he was 18, <clears throat> they met in Paris. So he is Parisian. He is Parisian. Um, so he has like a French accent. Um, he's Parisian. And he they met in Paris when her family was doing something in Paris. I don't remember what. 
and they had this like fling. They had this like romantic fling. They met at like this like dull adult party or whatever that they both had to go to with their fam with their parents, and they like talked until the wee hours of the morning. And her dad was like immediately not super okay with it, but had heard about his family because his family was like old French money. So he was like, oh, he's probably fine then. And her mom was kind of overseeing it all, like from their balcony, from this Paris um, flat that they were staying at or whatever. Um, so they had this like big, like two week fling we're madly in love with each other, making plans to either for him to come back to the States and he was he was about to start college. So he was like, oh, I'll go to LSU. Apparently, it's 1984. And it's 1984. And when she's 16, it was 1984. And, um, or she's like, or I'll stay in Paris mm -hmm. and whatever. But she still had two years of high school left. So <laughs> anyways, they have this big thing. They're going to they're gonna meet at this French cafe, which was their favorite place to go and like say goodbye and like make their final plans for seeing each other again. And then he didn't show up. Ooh. He stood her up at this French cafe. No, after two so weeks of fling. 16 to 1984. Oh. So then this is the first time she has seen him since then is this, this night. <laughs> Does he know that that's where she lives or no? Yeah, 100%. So then, okay, 100%. Okay, so this story is crazy. So here's what happens is she Adele gets really mad because she immediately knows that Eloise is like knew something about this. Like she's like, mom, did you know Remy was going to be here tonight? She's like, I swear I didn't. Like Cameron invited him whatever but the next day here's it wait no no here's the thing is they go she is the chairwoman of the christmas the the christmas planning committee for like the christmas ball that's mm -hmm. every year she's the chairwoman okay so sure. she like plans all these things she so she shows up at this committee meeting and he's sitting there at the meeting stop looking, like, handsome, yeah. looking handsome well yes she's reluctant to say it but yes <laughs> She won't admit it. Reluctant to admit it, but he's the salt pepper is really working for him. Sure. Okay. So it has been 39 years oh since they've gosh. seen each other. Wow. That's like a lifetime. A yes. Time. So she was married. Obviously, she had Jolene. Her husband recently died of a heart attack. We know all this. Seven years ago. Odell, uh, Odette's book. Odell's book. <laughs> <laughs> Better than O'Day. That was a recent one, O'Day. Okay. Okay. I was combining Adele and Odette. Yeah, um, no. in my defense. So here's the thing: is he basically it's this was a little bit weird and hard to follow, but basically he's like, I I was told that you needed a co-chair, and so I'm here to volunteer as a co-chair. And she goes, I don't need a co-chair. <laughs> <laughs> Who told him that? Eloise, Eloise oh. set them up to like do this thing. So then she's mad, at, like madder than a hornet at her mom. She knows, and but here's the thing: is Eloise is playing like coy and dumb, like, oh, he was at your chair meeting. <laughs> Funny that he would have been there. Like that's her attitude. And so there's like a lot of tension between Eloise and Adele because Adele's like, but also like her mom has a little bit of dementia, so she's like actually genuinely doesn't. 
is is she's having a hard time like did she set us up or did she's like generally not genuinely not remember this guy because that's oh also a viable God. option right so there's this hilarious tension there which is fabulous to read but then it's this whole big thing finally it comes out yes Eloise did have a conversation with him <laughs> apparently later on in the evening at the birthday party where she confronted him and was like you know Adele is doing this this and this you should conveniently be here here and here <laughs> basically is what she set them up okay and she called, she said, she told Adele, it's a God wink. It's a God wink. Okay. He's winking at you. Yes. Question. Yes. Did he tell uh, Eloise why he didn't meet um, um, her six, 39 years ago? Or she, Eloise was just like, no, they need to be together. Like, why? Okay. Would listen, listen, this is the whole point of the book. Okay. You have to let me just do this. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing is. They end up having a conversation. Uh, Adele tells Jolene and Maddie this whole thing because Jolene had no idea about all this. She's like never told anybody this because he literally broke her heart. Right. So yeah. she's yeah. like never told anybody. And then she met this amazing guy named Pierre and it, he was the love of her life. And they were married for 30 years and had a beautiful life together. So like why would she talk to people about Remy when she... Had a lot of French life. guys in her she life. She had honestly. the love of her life, Pierre. Okay. <laughs> she lives in oh Louisiana. Louisiana That's fair. So. But is there that many plethora of attractive Frenchmen in Louisiana? I, I don't know about that. Here's okay, we have to keep going here. So here's what happened is basically he had been living in the US for a long time. Remy had moved to the US. His father had been in like assisted living home in New Orleans for a while at this point. But he had moved to New Orleans because his dad was in assisted living home, but also he knew that Adele lived nearby. Like he's never married. Remy never married anybody. He had all of these like very, like he had several, it's implied he had several serious relationships that he was never able to like find, like say yes to commit to fully because he was comparing these women to Adele and they all fell short to her. So he's like almost 60 years old and he's never married anyone because like he can't, he's never gotten over her. Oh my God. It is pretty swoony. Um, and he's a silver fox, um, French and all these, all these things in his favor. Okay. So, um, basically he is like trying to pursue her. So he's like approaching, he's, she very, very reluctantly decides her mom invites him to dinner after the chair meeting and it's weird and she has to make it all because Eloise isn't going to do it. She's like, impress him with your French cooking skills. Get your Julia Child cookbook out. She's like, I'm not, I don't need to impress anybody with my cooking skills. Nobody needs to know my cook. I, I don't need to impress anybody with my cooking skills. So she's like having this thing where she's like, this guy broke my heart. I literally have already had the love of my life. Like, I don't need this right now. I'm just trying to plan the Christmas ball. And so it's this weird back and forth tension. They also call a truce at one point. And they're like, listen, I'm, she's like, I'm just gonna, fine. You can be my chairperson and help me. You're, I know you're restoring this chapel. Fine. You want to hang, you want to blow up some balloons and hang some arches. You can do that. Fine. If you want to help me with decorate for this Christmas ball, it's fine. She's like a strong, independent woman. She's literally had the love of her life. She has a grown daughter now who's going to stay and live with her. So she's happy as a clam. <laughs> and she's like, I don't need anything. Like, I, right. I'm, I'm very content and satisfied with my life. I don't need this mess of Remy 
whatever his name is. Bashan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. <laughs> Anyways, so, but he's like, he's like, again, asking her to take walks with him along the river. And she's like, oh my gosh, Remy, are we, are you 18? Like, no, like, this is not what we're doing here. But also, the sirens call. Yes. Did they take walks? Yeah, they take a lot of walks by the river. Um, so what ends up happening is through this long kind of weird, it's all very like this mental game. This book is like a whole mental game with for Adele because Remy is sold out. Like he literally, the only reason he ended up coming to the town, yeah, Cameron asked him to do this like um, res restoration work, but he knew that Adele lived there. Like that the only reason he came is because he had been, a little bit creepily not I'm just gonna choose to believe it's not creepy like he knew her husband had passed away several years ago he had not attempted to contact her like even though he knew her husband had been like deceased for like a while now had not attempted to contact her but then when he was reached out for this like restoration project he was like okay this is the right time like I'm I'm supposed to go now like now's the time for me to go so he's like in it 100% and he's super honest with her like He's like tells her essentially, hey, the only reason I'm here is because of you. Like I only want to, I want to know you again. Like that's it. That's only the only. I'm gonna do this chapel thing because it's the right thing to do. But I'm here because of you. Like he makes, he's very like bluntly honest with her. Like why would he not be? He's 60 years old. He's literally waited 39 years to like be with this woman. And she's like, I. You're cute, honey, but like I'm oh like I'm done with that part of my life. Like she's like rejecting him over and over again. And he's like, okay, well, whenever if you really want me to leave, like I'll leave. But like just so you know, like I don't want to leave. <laughs> oh my oh, god. So it's like this mental game. We're back and forth. So then we find out we find out what had happened was the reason he left, the reason he stood her up was because his family was broke okay so they were like old french money but they were broke they were actually there they were selling off their estate in pieces because they had no money um and uh remy's father had approached um adele's father and basically said like if you give me um like essentially tried to bribe like um, their family. So at that point, at that point, Adele's dad was like, okay, <laughs> these are, cro he's crooked because he's broke and he's just trying to get money off of me. Um, so you're not, I don't want you to associate with him. Like, I don't want you to be with this guy. So, so Adele's dad approached Remy and was like, listen, um, he, he, forbade him to go and meet with Adele one final time. Mm -hmm. And Adele does hint that her dad was like very, a very intense individual and not very um, affectionate mm -hmm. <laughs> in like demeanor and was, could be extremely like scary at times. Mm -hmm. He was a good person, but like he got in these veins where he was like, like kind of scary. So you get the idea that he was in that zone with Remy and forbade Remy from going to see her. And we find out that Remy was like watching her like from oh, a bridge and like just like sitting there, like watching her, like wait for an hour at this cafe gosh. and then watching her like walk away from the cafe. <laughs> and basically, but he didn't know that thing about his dad having bribed Adele's family to try to like pawn her son off onto them basically. 
Um, it was a weird situation. He he just found that out from Eloise, like while he's in town, he finds that out from Eloise. It's this weird thing mm-hmm. where like at first he won't tell Adele why he didn't show up. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me because I'm like, you've waited 40 years. Like, why won't you just tell her what happened? It waits till the very end. It's probably, yeah. it's just a story plot, I think, a plot device. Anyways, at the very end, they have, she has this moment with God where she's like, I'm okay. You know what? What would happen if I forgave this guy? And then she like has this moment with God. She forgives him. And then suddenly she's like, what am I wasting my life just sitting on my hands for? Basically, she has this like turnaround moment. Like when she forgives him, like she gets this like release in her spirit and like ability to like see what she couldn't see before, which is amazing how forgiveness does that to us. Um, So basically he was going to come to the Christmas ball. He had to go see his dad it's this whole big thing. His dad like fell and then he's like trying to get back to the Christmas ball, but it's the rare time that snow is falling in Louisiana. So then he gets in a car crash. He's like, he's fine, but his car's oh totaled. Gosh. Can't get to the Christmas ball. He's like, he's like, EMTs, will you drive me to this Christmas ball? But oh also God. like, will you help me change my tux? <laughs> it's in the back of my crumpled car. So here, like, he's like changing in the ambulance, like getting into his tux. He's super late and she's like, Everybody that comes up to her is like, where's Jeremy? Where's Jeremy? Remember? And she's like having these like reliving these moments of him standing her up. And like every time she's like letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. Because he had sent her a text like on my way. Like, can't wait to see like. Yeah. Happiest night of my life. Like kind of like very romantic text message. So she's like, I'm going to let this go. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. Like if he doesn't show up, like God is good. Like I'm trusting him. He's faithful in my life kind of thing. And then very last minute. He just, like walks through the door <gasps> in his tux, but he's a little like he's blood, like his face is like bloody. <laughs> he like got like hit with glass and stuff. Like he was in a car accident. He's okay, but like he had some scrapes on his face. And so it's a whole big thing. And they kissed for the first time in 40 years. Oh and they make up and they're gonna be <laughs> yes. Make up. <laughs> so i gave this my reviews my rating is three and a half stars and that is because you guys know i just don't love novellas like i was talking to morgan and odette about this like mm-hmm. i read this and i had a really hard time with this book because like okay the story is good but it's just I have a hard time with novellas. They're just, I just don't like reading them. I think it's the way that like, it just, the story moves so quickly. You don't get all these details that I love because that's, I'm a detailed person. So I gave this three and a half stars because I wanted more from it, but it's a novella. So I'm not going to get more. Like it's, it is what it is, you know? Um, And there was definitely some, like some of the plot, like in the beginning, that was weird to me. It, but it's just because it moves quick, I think. So the plot, because of the plot, the way that it is, I gave it three and a half stars. But as, I mean, it is what it is. It's a novella. Um, the other thing that I was going to do. Swoon scale? Swoon scale, yes. Okay. So my swoon scale is, um, I thought this, I thought Remy was actually very swoony. Um there's just some of those 
some it's like those are like those romance tropes of like oh he never married like you waited for him <laughs> that's so swoony yeah um and especially like they're older like he's like yeah. 58 59 in the in the story he's like still saying like oh she's the most beautiful woman i ever saw like she's more beautiful today than oh. she was when she was 16 oh like saying all these things and you're like remy who are you good grief <laughs> Um, so romantic. So I thought it was actually very spoony. So my swoon scale is, I don't necessarily recommend the book. You can read this book if you want to. It's Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. Love him or hate him. People have very strong feelings about Thomas Hardy. I like Thomas Hardy. But again, I just said how much I like details. So that should tell you something about why I like Thomas Hardy. of <laughs> 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 The sheep in the field and how beautiful they are. Anyways, um the his story far from the madding crowd remy reminded me of gabriel oak um because just really just her eyes. <laughs> that long-suffering lover the long-suffering mm -hmm. lover gabriel oak mm -hmm. and he was like patient and stayed in the background and was just like hard working and there for Bathsheba when she needed him and like that that the long-suffering companion and I don't know there was there was there's definitely a vibe there's a vibe so that's what it reminded me of so that's my comparison and if you I mean Gabriel Oak he is very swoony I love yes. Gabriel Oak he's amazing um so that's my swoon scale and then my god factor is is definitely the forgiveness thing that I mentioned in the summary um, just like how much really like she immediately chose to forgive this man and then it was like an immediate turnaround in her heart of like being able to now receive him like know him for who he was like that 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 wall that she had built had been torn down in her spirit which was really beautiful but then also the way that Lenora talked about like this built up in um, the story Adele's like thought process of, well, I've had the one love of my life. I've had the one great love of my life. Like, I don't, I don't need anything else or I, I've had the one great love. So why would I pursue anything else? Yeah. And I think that is a beautiful thing, but I think the way Lenora weaved in this idea of like, you've had the one great love of your life, but that doesn't mean that there's other, that you have to now forsake all other loves mm -hmm. that go away. And it was this kind of beautiful, like, is there just one great love of your life or does God have so much more than we could ask or imagine for us um, in all areas? And I thought that was beautiful the way she kind of explored that. Obviously I've never experienced that before, but I was like, oh, that's a really tender thing. Um, so those are probably my God factors. Um, my high was the way Lenora wrote the relationship between Adele and her mom, Eloise, hilarious and honestly so real between like, my own mom and her mom like oh. the same they're the same kind of age like late you know whatever her mom is 90 i'm not gonna tell how old my mom is her mom is 90 i think in this book eloise is 80 mm -hmm. but that kind of like she's starting to get dementia yeah. she lives at home with her daughter and those like very real conversations that you have and the struggles that you have i thought the way that she wrote it was like she brought humor to it mm -hmm. like something that can be very serious and hard and she did she it would she demonstrated that it's serious and hard, but there was a humor to it that was like fun and lighthearted, um, which I loved. That was probably my highs of the book. And then my low was just that it was a novella. And I didn't get, 
I wanted to know Adele more. I wanted to know Remy more. And I just can't because it's an uphill. Yeah, very valid. Yeah, I wanted more romance. Morgan wanted a longer reunion. So I think overall, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> say author friends. Three stories. Three stories. <laughs> Yes. The terrific trio. Um, I wanted to say we would read more from the from this town. Yep. So let's be around Christmas. It feels like they're going to be there all year. So just yep. saying. Um, <laughs> um, well, ladies, this was super fun and very different. And yeah, it's also I do remember details and stuff, but it's a lot to remember everything on your own and not like I, I was waiting for Madeline oh. to chime in and I was like, wait, she didn't read this. Nope. <laughs> I didn't read that when you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Alrighty, well, this was fun and we hope you enjoyed Yay. our special hybrid that was longer per usual, but whatever. It's the Christmas season and enjoy it. And also, it's, a fun buy and read. it's festive. Go buy and read a Louisiana Christmas to remember because yes. so fun. overall, high, high ratings from us. Yep. All right. Until next time, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Talk Bye. to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep, keep it lit! lit.